is USA Takedown with the best guests and all the hot news and predictions about combat sports. Hosted by the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him on Facebook and Twitter. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. Barbarian Apparel presents Battle Skins USA Takedown live from our Wild Rose Casino studios in a very uh, chilly Des Moines, Iowa. It's five degrees below zero here. And I don't know what we're doing wrong here, but it's 27 degrees in Moscow. Okay? So there's something, there's something really wrong here. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you about our guests this week on the program, brought to you in part by our friends at Battleskin, uh, including Brian Hazard, Sandy Stevens, Mike Doty, Jason Bryant, Caleb Nemers, and a legendary UFC Hall of Famer and MMA superstar, Dan Henderson. That's all on the program today. And uh, Kira Jones at the helm of the mothership. We've got J.D. in the studio as well. Uh, the program, 9 to 11 Central on Des Moines Sports Leader, 102 FM and AM 1350 ESPN. You can also catch the show streaming at, uh, not streaming, but uh, the podcast version, right, Kira? Is that right? Okay. Uh, at usatakedown.com. So you can listen wherever you get your podcast or at usatakedown.com. Remember, it's where the legends live. Um, one of the things I like about our sport is that we bring people up as opposed to hiring from the outside to bring them in. We bring people up from the inside, people interested in our sport, which is kind of the, 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 the idea of this entire uh, episode of the show is that we have people who actually care about our sport and how we present it. In other words, the excitement, the, the, it's one thing to be an announcer, but to be an announcer that is actually plugged into the sport and cares about its presentation, and that's, I guess, the theme of the show. It, it kind of happened haphazardly, and speaking of uh, haphazardly or hazard, we go to our first guest. He's live from Virginia this morning, Brian Hazard. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Scott, how are you? It's great to talk to you. It's been a long time, my friend. Do you agree with... You know, my opening dissertation there in that I believe that uh, to present our sport, we've come a long way. Ed Alaverde obviously was the, the standard bearer, if you will. Uh, we miss him greatly. But there are so many of us that can credit our careers, our love in, uh, for the presentation of the sport to Ed Alaverde. you agree with that? He is, he is the Don. He is the guy who we all try to risk our level to. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear, you know... I was Ed and Sandy, and hearing their voices made you know you were at a great event. Um, so, yes, 100%. Uh, you know, there are the people that came before us who, uh, who set the tone. There's been a constant in your life, no matter what you've been doing in our sport, but it is the sport that's been that constant throughout. And as a wrestler, a top-tier coach, in recent years, of course, a broadcaster and announcer, your life has been one of constancy through the sport of wrestling. Now, you and I do a different kind of a, a show when it comes to announcing an event. You love to grab a mic and go mat to mat to mat. We, I mean, when we were working together at Madison Square Garden, we had that, that a great rapport, I think. Uh, you, me, Jason, etc. Um, it was that excitement that you brought because you've been there, done that, both as a coach and as an athlete. Uh, but that's where the fun really, you know, came out. It was that sense of of understanding, and you were able to portray that and get that across to the audience. Would you agree with that? 
I, I, I would. Um, you know, I, I've been coaching now. This is year 26 of coaching. I've uh, been wrestling since I was four, since, you know, I'm 48, so, so pretty daggone long time. And uh, one of the things that people love to hear is their name. And what things I think the fans love to know is what is going on and the excitement is built when mm-hmm. I think when and Ed did this great too and I think Sandy does this well and is you turn the, the, the crowd's attention to something exciting going on and uh, you know knowing the knowing the sport and being a part of the sport I feel like I can I can see and uh, what's going on uh, and that's you know that's that's kind of a niche that I I think I bring. It really started with your dad. What a great mentor your father was, Hall of Fame class of Virginia, 1997. But talk about how your father started, because there is a lot of derision out there. There's a lot of conversation about parents, or what we call stage parents, right, who are living their life through the activities of their kids. Yeah, and I think I grew up living my life through what my dad did. So Mm -hmm. my dad was... uh, you know, a, a, a teacher and a coach, and then decided to move into uh, the world of construction just because at that time education, you, you couldn't make a living. Um, but he started when I was four coaching a youth club, um, and then he had his own TV show here where he took the, in, in, in Virginia, he took the Iowa Public Television, and then we did uh, a wrestling show, and he had his own you know, little TV show. And, uh, and brought us all into what was going on um, in the world of wrestling. And, um, you know, he was a college wrestler. He was um, a college coach for a short time uh, as an assistant at William Mary. And so for him to bring me up in the sport, um, you know, his thing was always, hey, if you don't want to do this, that's okay. It is okay. He was never trying to live vicariously through me because, you know, honestly, he had already done it. That's right. And uh, I've tried to do the same thing with my sons. So from that tender age of four to five years old, you developed not just a folk style uh, acumen, okay, not just that knowledge of and the and the practice of, but you also developed a, a skill in freestyle wrestling. Talk about that because there is a subtle difference between the two, and I have a respect for both that is, that is immeasurable. Yeah, I mean, what, we we were, um, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, you know, I think that was something that we loved to do was played football in the fall, played baseball in the spring, wrestled in the, in the winter. But then at a certain point, uh, I wasn't very good at baseball. And so, uh, I doubt that, <laughs> you know, catcher and I could get the ball back to the pitcher. So I think it was time for me to, uh, hang up my cleats. Um, but, um, you know, at, in about Sixth or seventh grade, uh, we started traveling the country wrestling freestyle and Greco. And, um, you know, we went around. I think we, we had uh, friends in every state. We'd stay with them. We'd go to the, go to the tournaments. It was a, such a fun time as a, with, to be with my dad and with my teammates, and we would just travel and um, learn how to, to wrestle the international styles. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to have some success in, in freestyle and Greco growing up and, um, you know, was fortunate to, to be on a world team and, and was a roommate, Gary Colat and Les Gutchess and these guys who now, you know, I, I learned to idolize to watch them wrestle growing up. Right. Um, they, were, they were better than me. I, 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 you know, was the eighth seed who just had a great tournament to make the, to make the world team. But, um, 
So doing the freestyle in Greco, in my opinion as a coach, teaches different body positions, teaches different basics, teaches uh, right. you know, different scrambling techniques, and it, it teaches you to stay off your back, honestly. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, for, for any kid who's coming up, I've always said that freestyle and Greco are more fun. And I think the pressure is off. When we wrestle high school and college wrestling, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, it's almost like your job. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and not purposefully, but I think for some kids it becomes their job. job where springtime and summertime wrestling, um, although we get a lot of college looks through that, it's a time where you can take the stress off, compete at local tournaments, and if you want to go nationally or internationally, you can do that as well. But I, but I think the, the development of a, of a acumen within freestyle and Greco is huge. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and here's the deal. And going from uh, your father coaching you, okay, but then going to um, wrestle for John Epperly, okay, yep. Yep. and uh, and Mike Moore, my buddy, our buddy, Mike Moore. Yep. Gosh, nobody loves the sport more than he. Uh, but then really becomes your education that is not father-related, it's coach-related in that John brought a different view of the sport, different view of, of competition, as did Mike. And i got to believe you, you give them a lot of credit for the guy you've become. 100%. And, you know, going back to my dad, he allowed that to happen. So my high school coach was my high school coach. My dad didn't try to be the high school coach. He, you know, he worked our springtime stuff, but mm-hmm. he didn't try and he let coach coach me. Uh, we had, I had other coaches. And, and Mike Moyer, I, I, I live, you know, three miles from the college that I went to. Um, which wasn't the choice that I had made at the beginning, but the program that I had decided to go to dropped at Wave of Mary. So um, I wrestled for Mike, for Coach Moyer, and um, my dad let that happen. And uh, so I've been coached by Hall of Fame coaches from the time that I was four years old. Isn't that great? And they, they, they definitely um, made my passion for the sport even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, they made my passion and my my kind of that search for knowledge really strong, um, and uh, and I you know I credit my my career to those men um, and my mom of course too she's she's kind of the catalyst for all of it. Mm. We're talking with uh, Brian Hazard on the uh, Battleskin USA Takedown uh, Wrestling Radio Talk Show here on ESPN. Now I gotta I gotta say we're going to transition here from in a minute, but. Uh, where your dad, Kevin, uh, John Epperly, Mike Moyer, they set the stage. They also helped you establish some clarity in your view of the sport. It wasn't just about winning, although that was great. You had the ability to see the world and in, in, in the bigger picture. And that's one of the things that set you aside from other announcers, okay, is that you have the ability to see the world through, and, and I think it's because of the clarity that they passed, or, or passed on to you. Would you agree with that? 100%. All three of them had a very much a 10,000-foot view of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beautiful. Wrestling is a beautiful sport. Um, you know, learning the, the, the nuances are, are, are amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. And when you have technical coaches and people who love the sport as much as you do, then I think is the best part. 
the love of the sport is pervasive, right? I mean, it is pervasive. It is, and it's it's catchy. In other words, uh, if I'm around you too long, I, I you know I get I get even more excited. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's 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 beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to do and to coach. And even though the kids make you crazy sometimes, um, and you know the travel makes you crazy sometimes. Just the fact that you're in it, well, you know, it's just. It's fun and it's wonderful. When was the last match for you? When was the, you know, that determined factor where you, whether you did or did not put your shoes in the middle of the mat? I hope you did. Uh, it's no, one of the I most can't. romantic moments in sports, period. And <laughs> insert wrestling here in any sport. I mean, that is a romantic moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is. And then did you I, do? Did you do that? I, I didn't, and uh, you know, I've, I've kind of played with the with the thought of. Um, I like the dramatics. Yeah. Uh, I like the dramatic flair. Uh, I've thought about the day I, I'm done coaching, um, which, you know, might be sooner than later, of course, 26 years in of coaching high school kids. That <clears throat> that last match that I coach, maybe I'll do it. Um, I'd love to be I there think, for that. It would be cool. Um, but, uh, you know, my last match, um, my kids, my athletes talked me into wrestling in one of these local Tournaments, um, is the, the, the MAWA, the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Association, they, they do great events in our area. And uh, so, so I entered the tournament and, and had a good little run, and I had to wrestle a guy in the finals named Sean O'Day, who was a NCAA champion from Edinburgh. You know, these local tournaments, you're not supposed to have these guys. And uh, it was an awesome match. We went into overtime. He took me down in overtime and actually put me on my back and pinned me. Oh, my. Because uh, I was so exhausted. Um, but, uh, you know, and, it, and, and, and we still talk about it today. I, I, I say he broke me. Um, <laughs> I doubt but, that. uh, you know, I, 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 I never competed after that. I still, you know, play in the room a little bit, but, uh, you know, when your fingers start to tingle, when you, when you hit your head on something, you know, it's time to just blow the whistle instead of get, you know, hot and busy in the, in the room. I've often said that the contentious battles, whether in the big 10, the 12, the ACC, Soak on Mac, whatever, okay, should be decided not just by the team but by the coaches. The coaches should have to wrestle each other. <laughs> Open weight, and, and let's get it all out there in the mat. I think Kevin Dresser would take on either one of the Brands brothers or both at the same time. He might have to go to Metcalf as a secondary, but uh, I, I think coaches should have to settle. I think it'd be a riot. <laughs> oh, it would be great. Yeah, just uh, there are some that still allow parents to have matches, and uh, you know, sometimes right. you should let the parents, the moms, get out there. I know uh, there's some events that go on in Iowa where they where they bring that make that happen, and uh, you know, I, I love it. I think it's I think it's great, and I think the coaches should have to go out there. Yeah, Stalemate Street League Two actually had uh, Becca Roper, yep. uh, Lee's wife, uh, and one of the powers, if you will, at the Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, uh, actually go out for her first match against another uh, mother who had never wrestled either. So it was the first match for both. And they were very cool because they they respect the sport enough and their knowledge of the sport, where not only did they prep hard, but they they also saluted each other with the presentation of gifts. And that is an international thing that I think we could do well by repeating at the collegiate level. Agree? I agree. Well, and funny, Billy Joe uh, um, was my wife's teammate in, in College of Cross at George Mason University. 
Um, so the gal who wrestled um, Becca. And uh, we went to college together, and her son wrestles in our area. And, man, she's a, she's a training machine. Uh, but, you know, did kind of the same thing with her son, learned how to wrestle. Like Becca was, uh, you know, working out with Lee and, and, and the UNI team. I think it's, I think it's awesome. All right, so I'm going to take her temperature here in the five minutes remaining, okay? Okay. Right now, if you look at the various um, uh, polls out there, it's either Penn State or Iowa in the number one spot, okay? And they're both undefeated, et cetera. But, and I'm not sure if it's strength of schedule that's everything that, you know, that, that is, is how they're predicating the rankings. But PSU versus Michigan, so it's the number one versus number three, that's tonight. Yep. What are your thoughts about this? Because is here's here's my thought. I'll put it out there first, then you respond. And that is, I think Michigan may be better than we're giving them credit uh, for in the number three ranking. But, man, what a scrap it's going to be, one, two, or three. That's a heck of a battle, Penn State-Michigan. What are your thoughts on that? I think, you know, I, I think it's an amazing event. I was, uh, I was, I got to watch... Iowa Penn State in Florida. They didn't wrestle each other, but um, at the at the the journeyman event, the collegiate uh, duels, um, I got to watch partly uh, got to watch the part of the match uh, with the um, University of Michigan team. You know, and and I watched Michigan and top to bottom, they just they don't have any holes. No, they don't. Um, you know, I think with Berge coming in for uh, and and Hildebrandt coming in uh, for Penn State. Uh, their holes are much tighter. Yep. Um, I think, you know, losing losing brands, but putting Kimmerer in there and and losing Spencer Lee, but putting Drake Ayala in there, they don't have any holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it is it is such a toss up. Now, if Michigan does go and beat Penn State in a duel tonight, and, and I think it's a it's a tall order, but it can happen. Um, you know, I think it's going to be the 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 Brucky and and Dean match is huge. Um, I think the um, Amin and Brooks match is huge. There's going to be some swing matches in there. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if Michigan does win, do they jump into one? Yeah. Because they're undefeated. Uh, do they hop over Iowa? Does Iowa move into one? There's just, it's, it's too many things to look at because the lineups are so similar. And all three teams are phenomenal and so well coached. I agree. And then there's... There's some outliers as well in the, you know, top five, top ten. There's some outliers, and anything can happen. You and I know this. Anything can happen, whether it's officiating, whether it's an injury, uh, running out of time, you know, work in the circle, whatever it is. Uh, That's what makes wrestling, specifically at this time of year, collegiately speaking, so interesting. Because, um, and that's why we go. That's why we watch. That's why we announce. And, and Brian, I think you 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 said it correctly. There's there's not a lot of holes in any of the top three, or at least the top five. Not a lot of holes. No. Uh, some weaknesses perhaps are pervasive, but not glaring weaknesses. In other words, they may just be out there. And some of these guys are just now starting to work uh, their schedule to peak. In other words, when do they get strong? When do they you know really set the stage for a run of an NCAA crown? Agreed, and, and gosh, I just, you know, De- Detroit is going to be, it's going to be amazing because you think about it. I think Minnesota is really the last team that I can remember in forever that had ten All Americans. Yeah, you're going to have somebody that doesn't place, 
where that person is and who that person is can make a huge difference uh, when it comes to team score at the Nationals. That's right. Um, you know, somebody doesn't perform well at their conference at the Big Ten, um, and they don't get a good seed. That can make a huge difference for how they play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one jump in the seed can make a big difference on what side of the bracket you're on and who you beat in that mm-hmm. consolation round. Because um, you're not going to, you know, everybody's not going to put 10 in the finals. That's right. Um, and so you're absolutely right that the excitement and just that upset alert or that tough battle that's coming down to the overtime or the, or the tiebreaker. Um, you know, it, it comes down to who has the best tournament in March, not necessarily who's wrestling the best dual meet in January. Amen. And, you know, here's the, here's the other bad part about what the pandemic has done, or one of the bad parts about what the pandemic has done. It's allowed some states to, to, to create barriers for tournaments like the Midlands, uh, et cetera, and, and they just canceled the uh, fan festival at the NCAAs uh, in the state of Michigan. So, you know, some things are holding us back from the reality of what we used to know, and hopefully we'll get back to uh, holding these events in, in states where, uh, you know, there's not so many barriers. Wrestling, if, if any sport has done it, wrestling has proven itself out to be a worthy adversary of the, uh, the, the coronavirus in that we've been able to do it safely and project out ahead uh, exactly what the needs of the athletes and fans are and do it respectfully and responsibly. Brian Hazard has been our guest. Brian, God bless you, my friend, a great teacher, a great announcer, and a very good friend. We appreciate the time today, and we'll have to do it more often. Anytime you want to call and chat, and, and uh, anytime you want me on, I'm, I'm always happy and game. And uh, it's so good to hear your voice, and, and, and I hope you're, you are well, and uh, okay. bless you as well. God bless you. Brian Hazard heads to the showers. And uh, we will, too. We'll take a short time out here. It's Battleskins USA Takedown Live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. We're talking wrestling. Stick around. We'll be back more on ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. You're listening to USA Takedown, brought to you by Battleskin, Barbarian Apparel, and Caldenberg's Landscaping. We'll be back after a quick break. another great one this week. Uh, yesterday it was uh, made, it, made it known that Meatloaf had died at the age of 74. Wasn't just a great writer, great performer. Uh, his songs were very storybook-like and uh, caught the attention and the affection of the listening public. We also got to see him in uh, legendary movies like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And people thought, well, what does he, what does he have that puts him in the spotlight all the time? He had that something. He had that special something. He was a regular guy, battling his weight, battling his uh, demons, uh, very publicly in some instances. But we lost him, and today we'll be saluting Meatloaf in our. Uh, I never thought I'd say that. I really didn't because I always thought he was almost. Uh, mm, like a superpower, if you will. I didn't ever think we'd lose him, but uh, we have, sadly, at the age of 74. All right. Uh, this portion of our program brought to you by our friends at PBS Landscaping. That's uh, uh, one of our great sponsors. They've been with us for an awful long time. 
Uh, Matt and his team do a remarkable job on landscaping, snow removal, etc. They take care of the city of Des Moines, for goodness sakes, and, and many of the surrounding towns and uh, communities. PBS Landscaping. Give them a shout. Okay. Also by Mullet's Restaurant, that great restaurant down by the ballpark where you can get hash browns their way, and you will love them, and you'll order them often because you'll continue to go back. And there is a Dan Gable table there at Mullet's Restaurant. Ask for that. I guarantee you. You'll want your picture taken at that table. All right. Uh, welcome back to the show. We're talk- we just had a great conversation, I think, with Brian Hazard. Uh, and we'll continue uh, our conversation with wrestling announcers. One of, my, uh, one of my friends, both in wrestling, announcing uh, the love of the English language and the love for four-legged kitties. She's Sandy Stevens, the first lady of wrestling. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm all right. <laughs> I am I am surrounded by cats right now. <laughs> I as well that... as one can be surrounded by two cats, you know. So, well, who was it that was sitting on the vent that the heat comes out of? Who I saw the that picture this Binky. morning. Binky. That was Binky, okay. and Binky is on my lap right now, <laughs> and Gizmo is right curled up next to my side. Yes. Well, you will be so happy to know that the kitty who I've had for a week, okay? Yes. Named, yes. named after Betty White. Uh, which is so perfect because she is a little lover. I love this little kitty. Well, she started jumping up onto the chair, and then she Uh started jumping into my lap, where yesterday I counted out one hour where her shoulders were firmly pinned to the mat, taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) You've been classified as a volunteer uh, to this sport, and the sport has obviously become... Uh, a very important part of your life, but I, I challenge everybody else to look at you differently in that you are the lady announcer. You are the voice that everybody knows from events as far away as Alaska, Hawaii, all across the United States, and then some. Uh, but you are the voice that, you know, if, if, if you think about Ed Alberti, okay, mm-hmm. and what yeah. he did, the bar he set, you have done oh, the same. Goodness. Well, that's very kind of you, but, you know, Ed was my mentor, mm-hmm. and I was blessed to be able to announce with him for about 20 years, and, uh, you know, I learned from him, I think, that our first responsibility as announcers is to the participants, right. the coaches, and the wrestlers, but secondly are the fans, mm-hmm. and some of those fans aren't going to be well-connected with the sport. They may be there for the first time. You know, they may be there because they have somebody they know or a distant relative or even a close relative who has decided to wrestle, and they don't know anything about this sport. So I not only want people to understand what's going on there on on the mats, but I want them to be excited about it and Mm -hmm. want to see more of it. That's how we grow our sport. You know, I, 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 I was there. I still have the pictures, by the way, uh, when you were presented with the Ed Alberti Award. Oh. Uh, I think you accepted on my behalf the Ed Alberti Award. Was it in Wisconsin? I, I think it was. Yes, it I, was. I, I don't even remember. Remember. Remember what? <laughs> Never talk with a linguist and only use partial words, okay? <laughs> She's a journalist. She will write an article about this chastising me in a gentle way. But no, 
in a kind way. <laughs> yes, I remember. Oh, there we go. Um, that um, you know, I I was so. Uh, um, it was a bonus for me to be the one that was out there having our picture taken with you uh, receiving that award because I have so much respect for the job you've done and the job you do. Thank you very much, Scott. Mm. You know I love it. I know you do. Because I love it. I am so blessed. I I say that all the time, but I am so blessed with this wrestling family, Mm -hmm. and that's what it is. You know that. You bet. And you're not just an ambassador to our sport. I think you're bigger and better or more than that. And I think Bear would agree with me um, in that you have put 100% into everything you do, whether it's an article you write or the preparation and the pronunciation of names, you have prepared for success. And whether it's, um, I think, did Bear wrestle for for Bill Cole? He certainly did. Okay. And and Bill was the the head coach of what is now you and I, correct? That's right. That's right. Was it teachers back then? It was Pardon? Was it teachers back then? Uh, yes. Okay. Bear always used to say he started school at State College, excuse me, at Iowa State Teachers College, got his bachelor's from State College of Iowa and his master's from the University of Northern <laughs> Iowa and never changed, never changed schools. <laughs> but Bill Cole also gave Bear his nickname of Bear. I didn't realize that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was really a wonderful father figure. Um to my husband, and that's why the wrestling room at Northern Iowa is the Bill Cole Wrestling Room, and it is for a man, it's named for a man who used wrestling to teach the lessons of life. And before my husband died, he had written down some things he wanted his grandchildren to know about him someday, and one of the most powerful things he wrote when he was talking, when he was writing about his college experience was, my football coach taught me technique. My wrestling coach taught me about life. Wow. And those of us who know our sport, who are involved in our sport, know that's what our sport does. Mm-hmm. In fact, I am working on my next column for Win Magazine, and it's about the... National Wrestling Hall of Fame's Outstanding Americans. And that award, I think, is so special because it goes to someone who has wrestled some time in his life. Mm -hmm. And right now, it's all men because we haven't had female wrestling that long. But somebody who has wrestled some time in his life, maybe not successfully, as we would deem it successful, like awards and records and that kind of thing, but uses the lessons of the sport for success um, in other areas. And when I tell people about that and I say, one of our distinguished people, you know, one of the outstanding Americans was an opera singer, is an opera singer. One was a jockey. What? A jockey? An (laughs) opera singer? How does that tie in with wrestling? And I just absolutely love those stories because yeah. it says so much about our sport. Mm. And, and and looking back at you know the limited amount of time I had with Bill Cole, there it comes to a head when at the Glenn Brand induction at the Hall of Fame, Ben and Newton, okay, were in the mm-hmm. lower level building, and mm-hmm. he was giving his acceptance speech, um, mm-hmm. 
and the elderly Bill Cole kind of lost his place, and his son Rob gently yep. moved his father aside, and and uh, continued the the speech that that Bill had prepared. And here's what I learned from that. Much like Bear learned about life from Bill, what I learned about both of them and our sport, where there is humility and humanity. The recognition. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that that to me is everything and anything that I I now believe why I'm in the sport. I understand it, uh, and I still question it, but I understand it better because of that experience. I had tears in my eyes. Oh. But it was a remarkable moment, and it was one of the eye openers. What what has been an eye opener in our sport to date for you? Wow. Wow. Um, this is why we don't tough. prepare for questions. And I answers. know, I know. <laughs> we have this pregnant pause. You know, while my massive brain tries to go into um, first gear. Wow. There, I'm sure there are so many. I, I, what popped right, at, right away into my mind, Scott, is that I was telling somebody about this the other day for another reason. And it was when... Kale Sanderson mm -hmm. won his fourth national championship. And, of course, the crowd just exploded. And after Kale's hand was raised um, and he walked off the stage, people started cheering Kale, 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 wanting him to come back. And Kale has always been a person who doesn't pat himself on the back. Shy. And... He he didn't come back on stage and or on the mat, obviously. Um, but it wasn't the Iowa State fans who started cheering that way. It wasn't the Iowa people who started cheering. I believe it was it was a couple of schools, I think Big Ten schools. And so he wasn't even in the Big Ten. Hmm. championships at that point you know he wasn't he wasn't involved with the big 10 but that said so much to me and i saw it again i saw that that respect and humanity again a couple of weeks ago when gable steveson won at the university of iowa yeah. and it was the iowa fans mm -hmm. who stood up gave him you know a standing ovation that touched me greatly. It really did. And I, I thought, that's what our sport is about also. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And when Jordan Burroughs is in Iran, and they give oh. him, the Iranians give him a standing ovation? Yes, yes. If that yes. doesn't draw a tear to your eye, I don't know don't. what will. And, and who, who deserves it more as a human being than Jordan Burroughs, so far well. as I'm concerned? <laughs> no. Books will be written, my friend. Books will be oh. written. Legends will be told. Sitting around campfires, around the center of the mat, <laughs> they will be telling stories of the great Jordan Burroughs. Was he real or a figment of our imagination? What a role model. <laughs> what a role model. This guy questioned himself, okay, and his ability. He was looking at other people's records, thinking he did not belong in a match with this guy. Right. And, and, and if you're reading and following along with him on social media, he expresses these, these moments in his career when he finally was able to pull the string and turn on the light, as it were, 
Uh, and, and I love that about him. He's looking at it in a retrospect to help benefit others as they perhaps are going through the same emotional uh, emotional oh. distress. And I think it's yes. terrific. He connects with people. In fact, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, promote my column, but I received my Win magazine yesterday, and the column that I had just written that's in this copy is about a little boy who lives in Florida, and he has alopecia, mm -hmm. you know, absolutely bald. But his, he lost all of his hair at one year old. Wow. Eyelashes, everything. And he was doing pretty well with it, you know, responding okay, because it was family and friends who'd known him since he was a baby. But then the family moved from Minnesota to Florida, and suddenly it was, that kid doesn't have any hair. You know, where's your hair? What happened to you? Why do you look the way you do? And his dad told me that the son who just turned nine on the 15th of this month, but his son was just so mortified that he'd call from school every day from the nurse's office, ask his dad to come and get him. He, um, he just was mortified by this, wouldn't have his his picture taken for his class picture and that kind of thing. And then he went out for wrestling and it's totally changed his life. But within this past six months or so, he got to go to a camp with Jordan Burroughs. And you should hear this little guy talk about Jordan. And Jordan said, I didn't meet, mean all of, meet all of my goals when I started. And he talked with this little kid about you know, how to set goals and things like that. And this little boy is so bright. I, you know, I talked with him on the phone. I was so impressed with him. Mm. And he had made little bracelets of black and silver and gold, I think it was, before all I see is gold, that kind of thing, you know, the right. Jordan Burroughs kind of um, slogan, um, if you will. And he took one to him. And Jordan wore it while he was at the World Championships. Oh, wow. And he's wearing it in the latest family picture. Oh, wow. And if you don't think that means a lot to this little guy, and we have a picture of Jordan and this little guy, you know, and I thought, yeah, that's Jordan. He would do that for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, he really would. We're I... so, we, oh boy, aren't we fortunate to have Jordan Burroughs, people like Jordan Burroughs, and there are plenty of them. In our sport, I tease him periodically, and we're, we're drawing close on time. But I tease him periodically that the first time I interviewed him on camera was at the Harold Nichols uh, Open on the campus of Iowa State, mm -hmm. and uh, it was remarkable because I asked him a question, and then he came out with that big voice that Jordan Burroughs had, and uh, it kind of it kind of nonplussed me. You know what I mean? It kind of mm -hmm. caught me off guard a little bit. Sure. But then I listened to what he was saying. It wasn't so much how he said it, but what he was saying. He, mm -hmm. he, it, there's something out there that's being used a lot now. It's called uh, speaking truth to words. And mm -hmm. in this case, dude has got it. Somehow he got it, and he's got it, and he's given it to others, and I love that. Yeah. That's one of the yeah. things about you. Uh, you speak truth to words, and I appreciate that. You know I love you. and. You know, we're stuck with you. By God, we're stuck with you. And we are so grateful as a sport and as friends to have you in our lives. And Thank I appreciate you. that. Oh, I, you know, and when you said 
you mentioned my being an ambassador. You know, that's what I hope. Someday I'll just be seen as an ambassador for wrestling. I never wrestled. You know, I married a wrestler. I married a wrestling coach. Yeah. He officiated. But I, ju- I, I believe so much in this sport mm-hmm. and the people involved in it that that's what I want to do is be an ambassador. I want people to love it. Love it. <laughs> and respect it. Now I'm going to start crying all over the place, and they're not. It's not allowed in this ESPN studio, I don't believe, right? <laughs> Our executive producer is saying no. There's no tears. There's no tears allowed. We love you, Sandy Stevens. God bless you, my friend. What's up Thank next for you? you. Um, for announcing, yeah, a week from today and tomorrow, God willing and COVID willing, <laughs> I will be announcing the second oldest wrestling tournament. Collegiate wrestling tournament in the United States, second only to the NCAA Division One, and that's the um, Pete Wilson yeah. two L's in the Wilson at uh, Wheaton College in Illinois, Wheaton, Illinois. And that's mm-hmm. just a short hop, skip, and a jump. That for is, you. it's four miles. I yeah, love it. So yeah. you're going to probably not hotel it. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Pinky, no. Pinky would be so upset. Anyway, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so Thank much you. for taking the Thank time you, with Scott. us today. It's always Thank great to you. hear your voice. Bye. Bye bye. There she goes. Uh, the first lady of, of wrestling at any level, period. That's it. This portion of our show brought to you by here.com forward slash Casper. Great hearing aids, incredible prices. It's here.com forward slash Casper. Stay tuned. There's more. It's Des Moines, the sports leader. This is 1350 ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. I can't tell you how important it is for us to stay plugged in with our fellow announcers because they're the ones that I've often described a wrestling announcer and and probably in wrestling more so than any other sport. Wrestling announcers are the glue between the fans or fandom. Okay. And, um, and the wrestlers and the coaches. Okay. And it's so important to know that, um, that role is not taken lightly by people like Sandy Stevens, Jason Bryan, Brian Hazard, uh, Shane Sparks, etc. We get it. We understand. And that's where the role becomes so important to everybody else except ourselves. In other words, we don't see ourselves as anything but an announcer, but it's how we do our job. Okay? One of the guys that understands that is our next guest. Uh, he is a, a, just one of the you know, I suggested to him yesterday, I said, Michael, you got to write a book. Wherever Gable is, Mike Doty is. He joins us now on the live line. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning, Scott. How are you? <laughs> ready and able to talk to you, my friend. All right. Well, I'm ready and able to, uh, to uh, uh, go with you here. I love, I love it. And, and 
you carry many titles. One of them is the director of de uh, development for the Dan Gable Wrestling Hall of Fame. But also the National now, Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah, yes, so, sir. And here's the, here's the positive is that you've taken yet another hat to wear, and that is a talent scout for the WWE. How did this happen? Well, I mean, that, uh, <laughs> that's actually really funny. Uh, several years ago, I was um, uh, on my way to Philadelphia for work. I was working for a, uh, an Iowa Fortune 400 company in, in sales and uh, sat down on an airplane early on a Sunday morning, and a gentleman sat down next to me and um, as, as would be the same with you, struck up a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, this gentleman had been back for the Oklahoma-Iowa State football game, and he um, saw my Iowa wrestling uh, jacket, and he goes, oh, so you're a Hawkeye fan. I go, yes, I am. And he goes, well, I was, he goes, do you know Bobby, do you know Bobby Stoops? And I said, yes, I do. He used to come into uh, Coach Gable's office all the time when he played football for the Hawkeyes. He said, well, I'm really good friends with uh, Bobby. And I stand on the sidelines with him during the Oklahoma game. I was back for the, um, for the Iowa State game. So we just, you know, had a short conversation on a plane from, uh, from um, Des Moines to Chicago. And, uh, and he told me, he, he said, I'm Jim Ross. And I said, well, I'm nice John Mike Doty. And he goes, well, I'm Big Jim. And I said, <laughs> I, I don't think I know who that is. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm the announcer for Monday Night Raw. Uh, the WWE, and I go, oh, okay. So we, you know, we talked for a couple minutes, and then, you know, we disembarked in the plane, and I ran to the United Club. Have no idea where he went. Hour and a half later, I I get back on the plane. I sit down, and here comes this big black cowboy hat. Yeah. And he sits down next to me again, and he's on his way to Philadelphia to do Monday Night Raw, and so. From Chicago to Philadelphia, we, we had a more meaningful conversation, and, and he, just, he just said, hey, uh, you go to all these wrestling meets, um, you ever see anybody that, that uh, looks like this, does this, you know, charismatic, you know, athletic, and, and probably not going to make the next cut, you know, the, Olymp you know, the Olympics, uh, you know, the international uh, wrestling group. He said, here's my card, give me a call, and we'd like to talk to him. And so I just filed that away as, you know, there's something that will never happen. And um, <laughs> so, the, so this is in, like, late October, early November of 2008. 2009, I'm at the NCAA wrestling tournament up the Coach Gable suite, and I'm sitting there with a couple of uh, friends. And uh, a gentleman who played football, a great guy, Mike Humpel, from New Hampton, Iowa, two-time state champion at 215 pounds, by the way, played football for Coach Ferentz. And we're sitting there in the championship side of the brackets over as they start the wrestle bats. And Mike and a, and a friend of his, uh, Matt Kroll and, and Gavin McGrath um, and Coach Gable's sons-in-law said, hey, we're going to head back to the hotel and grab a beer. You want to come? And I just looked back and said, you know what, I'm going to stick around for the consolations. And uh, actually, I'm sorry, wrestle backs. Coach Gable doesn't like calling them consolations. <laughs> wrestle backs. And, and, uh, and so he said... Uh, and I said, so I'm going to stick around and watch the, uh, the heavyweights and the wrestlebacks. And, and uh, Hump looked at me and he goes, well, why would you do that? And so I told him this story. <laughs> and he goes, well, you know what? I'll sit with you. And so, so Mike and I sat there and we watched the rest of the matches. And then we walked over to the hotel. And so this is in, 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 now it's March of 2009. So about a week later, Mike calls me and goes, hey, 
are you serious about this WWE thing? <laughs> and my first thought was Mike wanted to try out, you know, because he was a, you know, uh, he, he was a linebacker at Iowa. He uh, played for the uh, um, uh, Steelers for just a few months and then had a, a career-ending neck injury. Oh, boy. But he, but he goes, you know what? There's this guy, my old teammate of mine is working out. Um, you probably don't know him. He was hurt a lot during, the, during the, uh, his career, so he didn't get to play a bunch. But Etor Ewan, I saw him lift him weights, and I think you ought to talk to him. And uh, he said, you okay if I say something to him? I said, no, go ahead. So the next thing you know, Mike and I set this up, and I meet Etor, and, I mean, my, my God, he walked in, and, and he, he clips the light coming through the doorway. And um, so I called Jim Ross, and Jim put me in touch with a uh, – a talent scout by the name of Ty Bailey, and and uh, you know stuff got tran- you know uh, transferred back and forth, photos and interviews. I shot a little interview and stuff, and next thing you know, they're sending him down to Tampa, and he's trying out in the uh, in the training league, and and now he's like the top guy in the in the country. And uh, yeah, he's a champion, so or in the world. And so Jim said, y- y- "You ever get anybody in?" He said, "I'll take care of you." So about two weeks later, this box shows up, and I open it up, and it and and um, um, the Ultimate Warrior corrected me one time when I called them uh, wrestling dolls. He said they're action figures. Yeah. And uh, so I got this box full of action figures. And I thought, what what am I going to do with this? So I wasn't working for the museum at the time, but I took them up and gave them to to Kyle and Mike Chapman because you know, I, I had no need for them. My boys are grown. And then about two weeks later. Uh, a check showed up, uh, uh, you know, with the WWE on it, and it was like, you know, talent scout uh, uh, account and stuff. And so, uh, so now uh, my obituary will add uh, WWE talent scout to the, uh, you know, to its list of things I've done. Yesterday, so, I suggested you write a book. I haven't had a title in mind. Uh, and here, here's the premise for the book. Here's the idea. And that is, wherever Gable is, there's also Mike Doty. You guys are kind of connected at the hip. You respect him so much. And I know he loves you, too, okay? Uh, but wherever he goes, you are along for the ride, as it were. But you kind of help shepherd him as he's pulled and pushed from a variety of different angles, helping to make it all work. And I know he respects it because I don't know that Kathy wants a job. Dan's wife, but I do believe you filled the role uh, admirably. Well, I appreciate that, and and um, you know, and, and it is. I mean, I, I am humbled every day by it, and you know, obviously, Dan and I have our own lives. He has his family, and and all those things. But we have been very fortunate um, uh, since uh, his retirement. I mean, I knew Dan, you know, from the wrestling room when I was in college, and then afterwards, I you know, would would come in and see him in the office and. And um, and Dan's one of those kind of guys that you can have a big big problem, or a big big challenge, and you never have to talk about that challenge. All you have to do is be with him, That's right. and you walk out knowing you're going to uh, you're going to overcome that challenge. And and I can't tell you how many times in business I had a, you know a, a, a big presentation or you know just a, a lot going on, and I would go in and never once talk to Coach Gable about the situation specifically, but I walked on thinking I could take, walked out of there thinking I could take on the world. I mean, he just has that ability. Um, but over the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so since his retirement, 
I've been very fortunate to have uh, been able to um, to be a, a, a part of, of his uh, routine, whether it be going to world championships, uh, you know, in, in, in Paris or Budapest or, or um, you know, NCAA tournaments and stuff. And, or taking and a, a lot helicopter. Yeah. Tell that story because I think it's a wonderful story. Um, well, we were um, we, we were going to uh, uh, go to a, a, a basketball game uh, with one of the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers, and mm-hmm. um, we just kept Josh, uh, you know, uh, Josh Harris, and we just kept um, you know waiting in, in the offside. Boy, you know, it, it, you know, we're not even close to uh, <laughs> you know to where the, the game's going to be played, and, and so I just said something to Josh, and he's like, "Well, you know, we're, we're just going to go over in, in the helicopter." <laughs> you know, so yeah, it it, uh, it 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 has allowed me to uh, to meet a lot of, of very interesting and and uh, and and wonderful people. You know, people that care about other people and they yeah. care about uh, about the sport of wrestling. You know, and, and I'll give some credit to Josh, who who was a standout uh, student in the Wharton School of Business uh, as a philanthropist, as an individual that actually cares, giving his money when he can, where he can, and doing it often. But when he says, let's take the helicopter, you think maybe a little four-seat bell. Uh-uh. It's a yeah, jet copter. No. Gable said to me, he said, you're not going to believe what happened. He told me the story. And yeah. this is off air. This is just the two of us talking. He says, if I had known that these possibilities and, and th- this type of, of uh, experience would be out there for me. He said, I would have retired years ago. <laughs> you think about that. That's big news from Gable. That's that's high talking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love the thing about Gable. He doesn't understand, I don't think, maybe he does, but he doesn't understand what he did for me, helping to keep me into school, keeping that door open to the wrestling room so I could become friends with those athletes. You know, the Randy Lewis's and the Brand right. Brothers and all, you know, all the guys, Royce Alger's, People I respect to this day, and I'm 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 grateful to call the Bannocks and others friends. You know, these are guys that take my phone call, and that's that's important to me because that makes my job of. And as I see it, we're the very first show of our kind in the country, in the world, really, in that we would talk wrestling, 52 weeks a year, every week. I, we started with an hour-long show, and guess who was on the show? Gable. At the yeah. end of that first hour, I was thinking, we'll never sell this thing if we don't add an extra hour. We had to add an extra hour in order to make it work. And uh, it was because of Gable. Gable had so many stories to tell, and I thought, if he has these stories to tell, I bet you the rest of the coaches and athletes out there would be happy to talk about their journey in life. Agree or disagree? Oh, no, I, I absolutely agree. And you know, the, the, the great thing about and I call him Coach Gable because um, because that's what, he, that's what he, that, my first interaction to him with him was he was uh, my you know a coach yeah. you know in, in the wrestling room with me and and I and I think that uh, you know just out of respect um, you know and, and just what he what what he's meant to me in my life but you know the the great thing about I mean the unbelievable thing about Coach Gable is you're talking about um, you know how he influenced you right and how he influenced others but I honestly believe Coach Cable feels that way about you, and he feels that way about others. I mean, I believe but mostly that me. he, but mostly yeah, me, mostly you, yeah, okay. mostly you. But I believe in in the relationship, <laughs> in the relationship, it's not a, it, it, it's not a. You're not the only one getting something out of the relationship. Coach Gable has this unbelievable ability yeah. to 
to to um, you know you know draw from other people and 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 be um, uh, grateful and and thankful uh, for for that relationship. It's not a one sided deal, and and uh, you just um, I've known I, I I've only known one person like him, and that's him. I got a so. great compliment from Coach Cable. Uh, it was the um, Olympic trials held in Iowa City at Kinnick. And I had the pleasure of working with Sandy and, and uh, A.L. Hazlip and others, but I was the monkey on the mat in the middle of the arena of 17,000-plus, okay? And there was standing room, I'm sure. Uh, but at the same time, all seats were filled. And I get in my ear from the NBC crew said, Hey, Scott, we need you to fill for five minutes. I'm thinking, I have no script. I only have a microphone in my hand. I'm wearing a body mic. And... They said, we need you to fill five minutes. And so I went on to, Mike Chapman had let me know that Bill Smith was in the house. And if you recall, Bill Smith's uh, gigantic adventure from Fort Dodge all the way to Helsinki, Finland, in his pursuit of Olympic gold with, you know, $3.62 in his pocket. And I introduced him in such a way where it took a while to finish the introduction. But I asked everybody to turn to Section 17, second row from the top, and there... The aging wonder of Bill Smith stood taller than I'd seen him. Uh, uh, I'd never seen him stand quite so tall. And then the crowd stood, and they applauded him for the balance of that timeout. And it was a romantic moment, but it was, uh, you know, it was evidenced by Dan Gable and his compliment to me in doing the right thing for the right reasons. It wasn't just about filling time. It was about expressing the emotion of our sport. Mike, you do that well. I love you so much. You know that. And, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate it, Scott. And your kids, uh, yeah. just top drawer guys. And I'll tell you what, uh, I love the way you live your life. And having Gable uh, as a mentor to both of us, I'm sure, uh, yeah. is important to me, too. So along for the ride? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, that, that's, um, uh, that's uh, when one of my boys a while back, um, you know, was telling and talking to me about uh, all, all these things I've gotten to do. He just and, and he's a, you know he's a great great young man. Lives in Des Moines, has his own gym. Mm-hmm. But he go but he just goes hey, you know hey, you know I always tried to keep them well rounded and grounded. <laughs> and, and 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 you know they did the same to me. He goes hey dad I just want you know he said Andy Bark isn't flying that jet into Iowa City to pick you up. <laughs> he said he's he's coming in to get Coach Gable and you're just going with him. Wow. And I go I understand I said I understand that Matt. And uh, if I ever write a book, you know, as you guys want me to write a book, I said, if I ever do, it's going to be called Along for a Ride. Along for the Ride, man. Uh, right, Along for the Ride, because that's how I see my life. I said, but you know what? When you're at 43,000 feet going 550 <laughs> knots over the Grand Canyon, it's a hell of a seat. It's a hell of a ride. Yeah, we yeah. got to go to break. Mike, top of the hour always pushes us, and we appreciate the time you spent with us yeah. today. And thank you for your continued good work on behalf of the sport. Well, Scott, thank you, and thank you for all you do for wrestling. I mean, it, it is a um, it is a, a, a family sport, a sport of passion, and and we need to keep uh, we need we need people out there, uh, you know, blowing those horns, keeping us, uh, you know, you know, keeping us where we're at, Done. moving forward. All right, buddy. All right. Boy. Have a hey, great thanks. day. Hey, this is USA Takedown on ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. Hour number two is coming up next. Had enough yet? Keep it here on ESPN Des Moines. Then head to usatakedown.com for all our episodes on demand for more.
Yeah, we lost him. 74 years old, the great uh, Meatloaf. 74. Man, the music and the lifestyle, it really spoke to the 70s, 80s, and even some of the 90s as well, but uh, died yesterday at 74. So we salute Meatloaf on the program today. Hey, it is uh, uh, USA Takedown brought to you by our friends at Battleskin. We're going to be giving away some Battleskin backpacks, okay? It's a Battleskin giveaway. We'll tell you more about it as we approach it. But these are custom backpacks with assortment of Battleskin products inside, courtesy of our great friends at Battleskin. Uh, and I know the prize is in, in excess of 100 bucks, but we put a 100 buck value on it just for ease, I suppose. But uh, So you're going to want to stay tuned in coming episodes as to how you can uh, earn a Battleskin giveaway. Okay? So stay tuned for that, especially if you're in Des Moines, where our home base of our ESPN affiliate is 1350 ESPN. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, this is going to be a great hour. The first hour was outstanding. Hazard, Stevens, and Doty. Are you kidding me? This, this hour, Dan Henderson, MMA, UFC legend. Uh, great wrestler as well. K uh, Caleb Nemer is going to be joining us to talk a little bit about Penn State, Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. All the wrestling is going to be going on this weekend. This is what we call a uh, a bellwether uh, type weekend in, in the sport, and this is what we live for. Nobody knows it more than the guy that has become the voice of the NCAA, and that's Jason Bryant. He joins us now. Jason, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's kind of hard to follow the death of Meatloaf, man. That's, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't grow up in the 70s like a lot of the, the Meatloaf fans did. I, I'm just really disappointed that uh, Robert Paulson from Fight Club and the bouncer from Wayne's World uh, is, is no longer with us as well. Cause, wow. uh, you know, his music is one thing, but his acting was completely underrated. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, that's that's a really an astute observation. And the observation by me that Short Time Wrestling Podcast, the flagship uh, of the program, Matt Talk Podcast Network, I think, has grown into this uh, kind of a crazy animal. It's, it's a huge part of our sport. Now, I didn't always understand what you were doing, but I applaud the fact that you did it. Did you ever think that uh, the Short Time Podcast or the Matt Talk Network would become as big as it is? You know, I really didn't, and it was one of those things, Scott, that, you know, when you and I both know this and going through the sport of wrestling and in various media ways, that carving your own path can sometimes be very difficult and you can get a lot of resistance, and sometimes there's frustration in, in, involved with it. So, uh, you know, I had gone from, I joke that I've had more jobs in wrestling than Wade Chalice, <laughs> and, you know, I haven't worked with the NWCA, I haven't worked with USA Wrestling, and then... You know, amateur wrestling is you know, Intermat and all these all these outlets. I, I got to the point where, you know what, everybody always said, why don't you just do your own thing? And I always thought that was basically do what I had always been doing. It's like create another website. And I would eventually have had to compete basically with sites that I had kind of kind of resurrected or brought back. And then the, the podcasting thing kind of came up and it was like, well, nobody's doing this. It's something I'm good at. I can get my reps on the microphone. I can get my reps... In turn, you know, you know, practice does make perfect in that respect. And I went back to a brand that I got started with, and it was Mad Talk, which was a radio show that originated on AM 1490 WXRE in Hampton, Virginia, back in 1996. I started a website covering Virginia high school wrestling in 1997. That that first semester I spent at that school in Norfolk that I graduated from, and <laughs> that it, remains you know, un unspoken. We don't we don't speak the name. 
Yeah, they don't get my money anymore either. So, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, when it came time to kind of set up on my own, I had this, like, well, I got this show that I had started with the Open Mat and the Amateur Wrestling News uh, merger there that was, that was short-lived. And I'm like, well, what am I looking at branding-wise? And it's like, well, I went back to, to the name that I came up with and that I was synonymous with in Virginia, really, where I cut my teeth and got my start, and that was Matt Talk Online. And sure enough, the domain, which had been taken from me years ago because – I, you know, whoever did the, the renewal didn't do it, and, I, you know, people were blaming whoever. Ultimately, the domain name was available. I'm like, you know what? It's time to bring it back. So uh, my initial version of a short time were those daily news updates, and, of course, the show has morphed in a couple different ways. Uh, I think business people like to call it pivots, but ultimately, uh, you know, it was a short time episode. It was like, okay, so here's your daily news, like an ESPN news update kind of thing, and uh, ultimately, the season ended. I'm like, well, I guess I guess I'll do interviews now, and, and it's kind of been uh, a growth platform that I'm listening to. Actually, I was on my way to World Team Trials in Madison one year, and I heard uh, college college football coaches shows on on college sports on XM Radio, and I'm like, wait a minute, wrestling doesn't have this. I can do right, this, and right. that kind of long, you know, short time was the main show with everything, and then I, you know, the team show Virginia Tech's been a client for a long time, and then you know the the business model is more again morphed over the years where. You know, Purdue's on board, NC State's on board, Maryland had been on board, Buena Vista out in, in Wonderful Storm Lake had been on board. So I've had a various number of clients, and the best thing about podcasts is they're as long as they need to be. You're not dialed into, you know, that 22-minute spot, and then you've got a guest spot coming up, and then you've got a, got a sponsor spot coming up. They're as long as they need to be. And the shows can sometimes run their course, you know, that uh, Buena Vista lasted three, four seasons, Maryland lasted one season, Virginia Tech now we're in our seventh season. So um, the, the client shows, they're, they're, they're their shows, they're their thing, and it's really kind of given me that freedom to do what I want and, and be able to, to tell the stories that I want to tell. And also, it's also given me great partners like those schools and also with, with like the Wrestling Hall of Fame with our Etched in Stone series. And it gives me a chance to, to be artistic yeah. and journalistic at the same time with like, you know, the Rocked Up series, the Mark Chirella series that Pat Christensen wrote and Mike Finn wrote the great Lloyd Keezer series. And I'm, gonna, I'm developing one on Gray Simons as we speak. So mm. um, it's really kind of opened up a lot of doors and being, a, you know, being your own boss, you know, the benefit of that is the boss is a jerk. On the other side, you know, the staff's pretty cool. So <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's weird that it's kind of been um, what's kind of reinvented uh, the second, second part of my career. That first part was breaking into it. The, you know, the first part breaking into it. The second part was, you know, being known. The third part is setting my own path. So it's, uh, it's, it's been p- p- kind of cool to look at. Now you um, and I have a passion, obviously, for the sport, as does Brian and A.L. and Sandy, et cetera. But... Um, and Dort. I never want to leave Dort out. But uh, I've, I've got to ask you about family because it was your second daughter, I think, was named after a wrestling event or a wrestling, uh, an important uh, moment in your life, and that was announcing the Olympics, right? Ruby yeah, Ray they're, they're all kind of tied together. So <laughs> and it's funny because my oldest daughter is Lucy London. Now, I did not want London as a first name. My wife had spent six months overseas studying in London. We'd been there together uh, traveling. And it was one of those things where if I name my daughter London and I work in rest, okay, come on. No, I'm not Terry Brands. I'm not Brandon Slay. They're named, they've got daughters named Sydney. I didn't want to be that guy. I'm like, I'm not that. I, I, I just went to the Olympics with USA Wrestling. It wasn't like it was some big thing in my life so i said i told my wife i was like i can go with a middle name and then i like alliteration you know lucy london i know because you know they get married traditionally their last names would change so you kind of lose that 
um, with a first and last name. So I went with first and middle, and London seemed to fit. And it was like, okay, it's an Olympic year, but it's not directly tied to the Olympics. It had something to do with it. But then um, when, when Rio comes around, I'm actually, I land that gig, and I knew if it was a girl we had thought about, I wasn't going to give a boy a name like Rio as far as a middle name. And I'm sitting there thinking about it, I was like, well, what's, could we do Rio for a middle name? Because this was something that actually, it then had a theme with Lucy. It also had a theme with, with the tattoos on my leg, because I've got a, I got Big Ben for one and a Carnival mask for the other. And it's just, <laughs> um, you know, it did work out that, yes, yes, Ruby's middle name is directly tied to the Olympic Games, where Lucy's was loosely tied, but they are completely tied together. Plus, RR, Ruby Rio, LL, Lucy London. And when we're putting stuff on the, on the racks, for each kid, yeah. Lucy is on the left, Ruby's on the right. L and R, it's simple, works itself out. <laughs> and my producers here in the studio are laughing because they're thinking, "My God, this guy really thinks about it, doesn't he?" <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yeah. I, there was definitely some thought, and and here's one thing for for listeners out there, and for for men that are having their daughters, yeah. they're having daughters for the first time. And this is not wrestling related. I said when you are picking a girl name. You better remove any girl you've ever thought about dating, yeah. any ex-girlfriend, any old flame, any person you've ever thought about even thinking that was, yeah, you know, there's no, my daughter's not going to be named after Elizabeth Shue. I can tell you that right now. So you better get that out of your name. You've got to go through every single name. It's okay, do I know? Nope, nope, nope. I once went on a date with so-and-so that has a daughter named this. You've got to eliminate all that stuff. So <laughs> baby names never are sleeps hard. At night. Oh. Can you believe that, Carrie? never sleeps. Oh, oh, my dad did was like, I just want a K name. That's it? That's it. That's as and then, much... then they settled on Kira because it was popular at the time. And you still go home for Christmas? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Huh. It's better I than what he was originally name. planning. I think Jason is going to be one of those dads that will never let the daughters go. I think they're going to be living at the house, bringing their, their boys in. <laughs> oh, you've got to let yeah, them go. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> you got to let them go. Jason Bryant, our guest. Jason, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, like Shane Sparks last week. I asked him about uh, not just the Big Ten, but wrestling in general, and perhaps we could go through that with you in that uh, this is another big weekend for college sports. It'll be uh, Penn State at Michigan, number one versus number three, at least on some polls. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, this is a key matchup for me. It's a key matchup for Big Ten. It's a key matchup for, for the race. It, it, it basically is going to be the situation that says, is Michigan really a contender? Because mm -hmm. we know that wrestling is not on paper, and you can go into the Nationals each year and be like, oh, this team's projected to win, and wheels fall off. Guy gets hurt. Guy gets upset. Things can happen at the National Tournament. That's right. But what this really does is it's, 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 you know, it's dual meat supremacy because dual meets are great. But at the same point, it says, okay, where is Michigan where are they tough? We know where they're tough, but where are they susceptible to not being as tough as they need? Where do they need to improve? Same thing with Penn State, pulling Brady Berge back in, and then the transfer from Drew Hildebrandt. They've plugged two holes considerably into their lineup. Now Penn State is a real contender. They, you know, Combine that with the loss of Spencer Lee at 125, where's Drake Ayala going to fill that in? Where's the Iowa hole? So what it's going to do is, like, okay, if, if Penn State comes in and blows Michigan out, that's going to be, like, oh, back to the drawing board for Sean Bormet, or is going to be like, well, they really weren't that great anyway. Or are they going to be ready come March? They've got so many weeks to figure it out. Because going through the Big Ten schedule is a grind. you got to stay healthy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these swing matchups. Where are the Amines? I mean, if we're going to see Cameron Amin and 
Uh, hopefully we do. Where's Logan Massa coming back after a layoff? He's still, I think in his case, he's fresh this year. He didn't get beat up with an offseason. He didn't get beat up with the, the open part of the season this year. Uh, you know, having that last shot. And especially for Michigan, it being the Nationals being in Detroit this year, there's, there's this expectation to make it a real race. And I think this dual meet with Penn State tonight can be a real, uh, real catalyst to see how the rest of the season is going to go, win or lose. Yeah, I get a real problem with holding the NCAAs in Michigan, and it's a political statement, I think, and in their view of how we're dealing with the coronavirus. But they've canceled yet again my portion of the NCAAs, something that's evolved for me, and I'm grateful for it. And that's the fan festival. They canceled that yet again, yeah, and uh, what a heartbreaker! That's, that's a bummer. I know you've been involved. Our, you know, our friend Sarah Levin's been involved. I mean, that's something that, you know, it's it's an opportunity for for the mingling. You know, wrestling. That's right championships the d1s is a social being it is it is a lot of people go for the wrestling of course a lot of people go to see their friends it's it's one of the you know wrestling's biggest frat party and it is it is fan fest is a big part of that so i I was disappointed to hear that and uh you know whether or not people are treating this i'm not sure what the right answer is and and how to handle events because uh you know i was in event uh, a couple weeks ago and then you know i didn't go to an event this week i actually I, i caught you know i had covid last week it prevented me from going home to the virginia duels so I can see how sensitive it is, and, and I don't know what the right answer is, but uh, it, it is, I'll say this, it is a bummer there's going to be no Fan Fest this year. Well, it, it, it takes a little bit of the fun. I remember my first trip to Detroit, and it was at the, uh, the Silverdome in Pontiac, and I remember our hotel was about an hour in traffic, hour and, and ten minutes or so, and we only had about a two-hour break between sessions, right? <laughs> and during thinking about going back to the hotel, getting food, changing clothes or whatever, and then you've got to get right back in the car and drive back that hour and a half to the Pontiac Silverdome, hustling to get back in there. And by the way, the Pontiac Silverdome, built on a dump, right? Built on a landfill, and now it's just... Have they torn the thing completely down? I saw... That I don't know. I know the, the Nationals were in Auburn Hills in, in, in 07, if I'm not mistaken. I know I've never... I know WrestleMania three was at the Pontiac Silverdome. No, I don't I'm know sorry. if they no, no, that no, thing no, down. No, 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 no. It wasn't Pontiac Silverdome. It was... Um, the Palace at Auburn Hills. Yeah, the Palace is gone. Yeah, yeah I think they blew that I'm, up a year or two ago. Yeah, and they should have. They let the roof cave in. There was bums <laughs> living there. It was awful. Awful experience. But well, we, you know, we know a little bit about roof caving ins here in, in, in Minneapolis. <laughs> you know, the Metro baggy <laughs> ripped that one year and put what, about 10 feet of snow in there. But We used to produce the Minnesota Sports Show there. It's called the Northwest Sports Show. And I was part of the staff for 16 years. And load into that building... You had to go through an airlock system, and it took forever to uh, to uh, load the show in and, and load the show out because of that airlock system. And maybe we've seen the end of of uh, facilities like that. What's your favorite facility to work in? Madison Square Garden, without a doubt. No is, question. I mean, you want to talk about the best sound system on the planet? Amen. It is the world's most famous. Where we've had the opportunity to work there together, and I remember that that 2016 Nationals that me and Brian, uh, you know, had had the chance to debut our at, at the D1 Championships, and it was like this place. I mean, it was good for grapple at the Garden. Don't get me wrong, but when you've got 18,000 people in an arena that is just that's that's just primed and made for events like this. Mm-hmm. You know that there's not going to be a Radio Shack mic in the house. You are going to have top of the line everything, and there's nothing that's going to ever compare to the Garden. MSG and MSG Holdings have done a remarkable job with the buildings they own, but they understand that they have uh, the legitimate right to be the 
the, the legend setter. In other words, if you can look for the best, you'll find it at MSG Properties, period. What they did in Englewood, California at the Forum was turn that house that was going to be torn down, okay? It was going to be torn down, but they took out all the seats and put in a seat and a half. In other words, that, was, that seat now was up above your head or right at your head. And they took out the scoreboard hanging above the where the basketball court used to be for the Lakers and turned it into a music hall, a venue that speaks to announcers like us. And the, if you listen to the sound of your voice in a building, in an arena, given good equipment and all that, MSG right there, Madison Square Garden and the Forum in L.A. are two of the level best in the world. Now, let's take you to the Olympics in Rio. What was the sound like for you and the experience like for you in Rio? Uh, Rio was, you know, back in 2016, that, those facilities were, were built for the games, and I don't think they've been used since. So oh. I know the test event, there were some standing speakers. It was like, you know, wheeling in our stuff from the, from the back <laughs> of the car and putting it in for the test <laughs> event. But uh, at Rio, it wasn't super great because, again, they were temporary. Now, Tokyo... Uh, the sound system recently in Tokyo in the facility they had was was pretty good, um, and in, in with any any group you know there's production. It's not like high school events where we'd come in, we'd run the music, everything. There's a whole music crew, there's a whole production crew, there's producers saying, okay, go. There's a lot more orchestrating what you see uh, behind the scenes with with wrestling presentation, like at the NCAA's and with the Olympic Games, than just what we would do for the guy that's got the kit. And, you know, when when me and Hazard, for example, when we go to a high school gym. Uh, to do something back in the past. Like, we got the music, we plug everything in, we are controlling everything. That's right. That's not, not the case. Now, Tokyo Sound System, I thought, was, was really well, uh, really good. Kind of hard because the, the lack of fans in there, and the, the reverberations were different. So, right. uh, you know, your inflections with, with barking through certain calls, you have to temper, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of weird. You know, Gable Steveson in that finale, you want to go nuts because of what, what just unfolded before you, and you will be echoing off everything because there's empty seats and right. there's metal the metal bleachers and stuff make it make it hard. So you have to sometimes temper that. But mm. um, obviously a full house is much easier to deal with because, uh, you know, they, they suck up that sound and you can give a, give a, a good rip-roaring call there. But no matter uh, what, though, the Tokyo performance... Tokyo light years better than Rio in that regard. No matter what, though, the performance that you put forward is always the best, and that's what we count on. And that's why we asked you on the show today, if anything, to say thank you and to salute uh, the career that you've given. Do me a favor. Give the uh, listeners here... Uh, and across the country listening to the podcast version. Give them uh, 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 the website where they can go and check out your work. It's at matttalkonline.com. That's where you can find the entire family of Matt Talk podcast network shows. That includes the Shortime Wrestling Podcast, Inside Virginia Tech Wrestling, the Pac Mentality Poppins Podcast. We also have the NWCA Matt Stat Show. There's a ton of shows on there, always aggressive by Purdue. Uh, we've had as many as 20 shows at one time, sometimes uh, the, the pandemic doing what it was. Uh, caused a little bit of a, a downturn in some of the, the, the populace of the network. But right. we're back rolling, and MattTalkOnline.com is where you can get it. Follow me on Twitter, at Jason M. Bryant, and at MattTalkOnline as well. So a lot of stuff for you to consume there, whether and it be LinkedIn. podcasting, daily wrestling news, et cetera. <laughs> and LinkedIn. <laughs> I love that. Yep, LinkedIn. All right, Twitter, buddy, Facebook. boy. Hey, God bless you and your fam. Appreciate it. Appreciate the effort you put forward and the love you show for our sport each and every time a mic is open. God bless you. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. There we go. Jason Bryant, one of the preeminent voices in our sport. We'll come back after the short timeout. Caleb Nemers with his thoughts on the weekend of wrestling. Who will rise to the top and rise to the challenge? Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown, where the legends live.
All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Made from all natural ingredients by wrestlers for wrestlers. Defense Soap. It's what the pros use. All right, welcome back to the show. We are working 9 to 5 here in broadcast. Actually, we're 24-7, 365, and Kira Jones producing the program is, uh, well, she's, she's doing a great job again of uh, having a shadow in the studio today. And J.D., who's a student at Drake, is that right? Yeah. And, and is your love for broadcast part and parcel to a, a journey into journalism? Yeah, I think so a little bit. Um, I have a lot of experience, like through high school. I had a great program, just a tons of opportunity um, to to get into broadcast, be on the mic, and be on the backside of it. Well, you're welcome in the studio anytime, my friend. We've seen them come and go because they move on to other things. But I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm grateful for your love of the of, uh, of the broadcast medium. Thank you. All right, this portion of the show it's Battleskins USA Takedown, brought to you in part by the Chow Hall for our wrestlers mullets on First Downtown Des Moines. Great breakfast, served all the time. Man, what a great restaurant. And John is a lover of the sport uh, of wrestling in a big way, okay? Matter of fact, Kevin Dresser, I met, I introduced the two of them, and uh, Kevin Dresser now uses mullets for all the uh, uh, outside activities, fundraising, et cetera, but they bring great food on the road, so it's wonderful. Anyway, uh, next up is Caleb Nemers, uh, longtime contributor to this program and a great guy. Uh, as it were, and we're we're grateful to have him. But he joins us now on the live line. Good morning, Caleb. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm better than I deserve. How are you? Well, it's cold here. It's five degrees when we walked into the studio. It's below zero, by the way. And I don't know what it's like where you are in the eastern time zone. Is it as cold? Believe it or not, I'm in Morgantown, West Virginia, and it's just about as cold. Um, it's 13 degrees here today. Okay, so, so you're going to be covering... Uh, uh, Virginia Pitt, right? So I'm going to be at the Pitt Virginia game or okay. uh, match tonight, and uh, that's about an hour from where I'm at. So uh, that that's going to be a a fun matchup between you know what Keith Gavin is doing with his program at Pitt, and then uh, obviously friend of the show Steve Garland and uh, some of the Paulson boys there too. Yeah, tell tell the Paulson boys every time that they're scheduled for the show, one of them is sick, so both are out. How does that work? I mean, if you're if you're a twin, shouldn't you share the responsibility? Exactly, exactly. I mean, hey, talk to uh, talk to Nick Castellano about how that worked out for him, right? So, yeah, well, yeah. that's more about the twins' mom uh, putting the pressure on Bono and Douglas and everybody else and Pasolano. Obviously, it was. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. So, okay. I still, Those two have come a long ways, though, Scott. Of course um, they I mean, have. They're great, great contributors to uh, to what Coach Garland's doing. And, and uh, man, he's fun to have on the show, though. Great mm-hmm. guy. As is Sean Bormat and Kale Sanderson. It's Penn State, number one in many polls, against number three in many polls. Michigan tonight, it's, uh, it's going to be a barn burner for sure. How do you see this particular matchup? Now, Scott, we've got seven out of ten matches featuring five number ones, all right? 19 out of the 20 wrestlers are ranked in the top 20. But wait, there's more. Two guys are actually returning Olympians. And what? I don't, and I don't think either one of those two returning Olympians are even going to win tonight. That's how competitive this duel is going to be. Oh, wow. That, you know what? 
from an observer as we are, okay, from an, but you've also been a wrestler and a coach, and you get to see the possibles. What would be the outcome of two Olympians not winning or guaranteed to win? It's different, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, uh, it's it's a totally different style, and I think we, we've seen a, a lot of that transition back and forth. Um, and we're going to see that actually right there at 125 when we look at uh, the battle of the transfers, right, at, with uh, Nick Suriano and Drew Hildebrandt. Hildebrandt coming over from Central Michigan. Nick Suriano doing his third Big Ten tour stop at Penn State, and he looked pretty good in his first couple matches back. But we've got a couple KG veterans that are, you know, Nick's ranked number one in the country. Uh, Hildebrand is ranked number nine. And Suriano, I think he was gone for so long from folk style, and people think you're just going to get fireworks from him all the time. But that's really not his style. I think we're going to see a closer-than-expected match here, but Suriano pulls it out uh, by two two to three points in just a regular decision. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I'd, here's here's the deal about Can I just focus on Suriano's transfer? Mm-hmm. Okay, that portal has never been used more uh, avidly, I think, and with as much ferocity as the Surianos have used the portal. And it's, I think it's, it's admirable that he's willing to uproot himself, meanwhile pursuing an academic, you know, uh, accountancy of himself, in other words, a great academic experience. He's he's a smart kid. Bob, his dad, same thing. Um, and as much as his dad swears that it's Nick's decision, believe me, it's a family thing. It's it really is. I'm interested to see what Bormet and company will pull out of Suriano as we draw as March draws near. Um, I'm I'm thinking that Michigan is stronger for his arrival. Does it push some people out of the way? Yeah, but he's earned his right. He's earned his rank, and Michigan is uh, much richer for him being there. Agree or disagree? Right, and and what he does in the room is something that you really can't measure. No. And and Bormet's been able to, to prove that he can put together talent like this, mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be fun to see what Soriano's going to be able to do. He's already proven that he can do it. Right. So it's not like Bormet's going to be pulling something out that, that he's never done before. Um, but I really think Soriano's, uh, from everything that I've heard, he's, he's been a major asset and a, a blessing to have in that program. And I've heard the same. And speaking of Bormet, you know, it was, there was a time when he was the founder, not the financier, but the founder of the Overtime School of Wrestling in Palatine, uh, uh, or Downers, was it Downers Grove? I think it was Downers Grove, um, Illinois. And I often wondered, what's the next step for uh, Sean Bormet? Then all of a sudden, he's an assistant in Michigan under Joe. And then all of a sudden, he's the head coach. Joe retires. And for me, it was the natural progression. But I think Bormet is the least of those out there tooting or touting their own past or their their future. In other words, their impact on the sport. I think the Wolverines are in their best position in years. And I've always loved the Silver Fox, don't get me wrong. But I believe that Sean Bormet is doing what the younger coaches out there should be doing, and that's uh, assembling the rank and file. Those fans out there are giving. That's providing them with the facilities they need. It's not just Cliff uh, Keen money. It's real money. It's from everybody. And Michigan is stronger for that, as is Penn State. When Cale Sanderson signed that deal, leaving Iowa State to go to Penn State, he did so with some serious financial uh, assets at his disposal, people with billions of dollars to burn. 
and they brought the best of the best at this point. And that legacy is in front of us right now. We're, we're watching the future of this sport. Those that can are now doing, and they're doing so year after year after year. Penn State is for real, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. 100%. And, and Kale's bringing in guys like their 133-pounder and Roman Bravo Young, mm-hmm. who you could argue is one of the most exciting wrestlers to watch I love him. Um, in the sport. And uh, his, his Instagram following is, is something else. I don't know if you checked that out, but... RBY is uh, really fun to watch, and he's got a matchup with Dylan Ragason, which is going to be interesting. Ragason ranked number eight in the country. Roman Bravo Young, number one, obviously, the returning national champion at 133 pounds. This is going to be closer than, than you'd expect, and, and I, I really think it's going to be just a regular decision here. Scott, what do you think? I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. A regular decision, probably. But take nothing away from in, any one of these individuals. RBY... Is sitting on the nine and zero season. Drew Hildebrand three and zero. Nick Lee seven and zero. Uh, Brady Berge one and zero. Or Creighton Coach Berge. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you're right, Coach. <laughs> well said. Uh, Carter Sirachi is eleven and zero. Aaron Brooks nine and zero. Max Dean eleven and zero. And Kirk Leavitt nine and zero. That's obviously going to change if he's got to face Gable Stevenson. But um, and nothing against Greg. Okay, I respect that dude. He brings it, and he's also exceedingly well-coached. But my thought is that if you put all these guys that are sitting on perfect season and take them into a Rutgers meet, and they just annihilated Rutgers, who prior to that, I think, had been undefeated on the year. It's interesting to watch how this team, and they are young in certain areas, it doesn't look like it. You're either looking at number ones, twos, threes, fours, sevens, I mean, th- this is a stacked team. Meanwhile, Iowa, you know, it, I think Tom Brands is comfortable having everybody uh, say that Penn State's number one. I, I don't think he likes the rankings. I really don't. I don't think he cares. Now, if he does, I'm, I'm, I would be surprised. But I'm, I'm looking at Penn State, and we're going to watch the footage over and over again of the matchup between Michigan and Penn State. But I believe Tom Brands and Terry Brands are going to be watching it. Morningstar as well. Uh, going to be watching it with, um, I think, a, a great deal of interest. I think we're going to look at this matchup as a potential uh, forerunner, or, or, or we're going to look at what the NCAAs are going to look like early, and I'm well, grateful for that. Scott, I think this matchup, what you're going to really see is matchups between wrestlers that are, are either going to be All-Americans or not, and this is going to, where you're going to see stuff like Hildebrandt, where you know he's ranked number nine, so that's right in position where, okay, is he expected to be an All-American or not? And if you can compete with Nick Soriano and it's a really close match, this shows a lot. Or maybe if you beat Soriano, you know? So it, that wouldn't be crazy to see something like that happen. And, uh, I mean, we talked about what Sean Bormat does, what uh-huh. Coach Bormat does for these guys, and, and that I, I wouldn't expect anything less to have his, his guys ready. At 141, Scott, we've got Nick Lee, Nick Lee. Stephen Meechick, Number one ranked Nick Lee. You got it. Number one ranked Nick Lee. And he was electric what he did, not only at the NCAA tournament, but Mm -hmm. then what he did at the Olympic team trials. He followed up with that. But then he's been hurt a little bit. And I don't think we've seen the full version of Nick Lee that that we saw last year. Right. And who do you think we're going to see today at 141? I think we're going to see level best. 
and the performance of 41 is going to be outstanding. I, I love Stephen. I really do. He's been a great guest on the show. I don't think he deserves uh, a two-in-one season at all. I think we all know what happened there. But we, we've got to blast through this to get to, uh, to 285 because we've got about five minutes left. We've got a Canaan store. Uh, the number 16-ranked Canaan store also sitting on an outstanding season so far at 3-1. But, uh, you know, it's it his, uh, his opponent, I think, is going to be at 49 for Penn, or for Penn State, uh, Bo Bartlett. Yeah? Yeah, so you've got Bo Bartlett against the former Cyclone, actually, Keenan store. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be one of those toss-up matches. And it's going to be a match where if Michigan's going to have a chance to win this duel, they need to win this. They do. And, and Storr's kind of been back and forth a little bit here and whether he's been healthy or not, but they need to win this, this match up here, okay? It's going to be some of these that, that maybe don't have the, the rankings behind them that are as high that Michigan needs to be able to pull off at 149. Penn State's got some weakness at 57 with Tony DeGrom. We're not even going to talk about Tony to the degree he probably should be due to time, but... We'll go to uh, Carter Storacci at 74, wrestling for Penn State. 11-0 already on the year, okay? And uh, his opponent at 74, you ready for it? Logan Massa. And you're a huge, huge fan of, <laughs> I know, Carter Storacci. And it, he's done an amazing job. And, mm-hmm. and you think about, so 174, and then you've got 84 with Aaron Brooks, and then, then what... Um, what they're doing at with Max Dean, obviously, and Greg Kirkfleet. And you look at those upper weights and think about not only the competition that they have in the room between them, mm-hmm. but who else do they have there? You've got Jake Varner, obviously, Cale Sanderson, so you've got two Olympic gold medals there. And, oh, oh wait, um, you've also got an Olympic gold medalist from Kyle Snyder yeah. in that room, too. <laughs> so these guys aren't getting a lot of takedowns when they're in practice. And so it doesn't surprise me when you see the projection that a lot of these guys have done in the past. And, and look, I, I'm excited to talk about heavyweight, but I, I think this is why you're going to see a lot of the, the improvement right. here from some of these Penn State guys. What do you think is going to happen with um, Logan Massa and Carter Strauss? I think Massa wins it. I really do. Um, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I think he's not only been well-coached, He's been brought along in the sport. I think his history speaks well. Uh, but I, I believe that Massa, ranked number six at 74 in the country, I believe improves to 8-0. and Let's go to Miles Amin before we're out of time. About two minutes left. Miles Amin, one of the Olympians that you're talking about, uh, will wrestle for Michigan 7-0 and on the season at 84. His opponent is uh, Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks is as perfect a wrestler as I've found. Yeah, and, and this is this is one of those matchups where, uh, so a guy that, that took third in the Olympics in Miles Amin, great guy, amazing family, and you've got Aaron Brooks whose projection is just skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is out of this world, yep. extremely hard worker. And it, it comes down to, again, what we talked about earlier between freestyle and folk style. Okay, if if this match is... You know, maybe in, in freestyle, I might have a mean as a favorite, all right? But it's not. That's We're right. wrestling folk style. That's what we do here. <laughs> and I think Aaron Brooks is going to pull out a tight one just like he's done before. That's right. And, what do you think? I, and, 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 and I agree. I agree. 
Max Dean at 97. We've got about a minute left. Max Dean, 11 and 0, wrestling for Penn State, and his opponent Patrick Berkey, 12 and 2 on the year, number nine versus uh, uh, number two. Max Dean should have been at Cornell, but we all know what's going on at Cornell. They don't know how to let their athletes compete. So you talk about an upset here, and. It- if Michigan has a chance to be able to do something in this duel to to win it, okay? Right, right, I mean, right. trust me, these guys aren't rolling out the mats not to win. Um, it, this is something that they're going to have to do, and there needs to be a major upset, and this would be a huge upset if uh, Brookie can actually pull it out against Max Steen. Big Ten doubleheader weekend. Iowa visits Columbia, uh, your Virginia, and Pitt, and then, of course, there's uh, Penn State at Michigan. God bless you. Thank you so much, Caleb, as always. A great compliment to the, uh, to the sport and to the show. Thank you. Thanks, brother. There we go. Battleskins USA Takedown continues after the break. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short timeout. Hold on. We're not done here. More wrestling news and interviews are coming up on USA Takedown. One of the reasons Dan Henderson and I get along, and yeah, we do get along. I don't care what the rest of the media thinks, but we do get along. Um, He was born in August, and so was I. Several years after I was born, Dan Henderson came into the world on the 24th of 1970. He's not just an American retired mixed martial artist. He's one of the standout breakout stars the sport has always enjoyed watching compete. And I think he probably gets more out of it as a competitor than anything. I mean, dude knows his stuff, whether it's freestyle, Greco, it doesn't matter in terms of wrestling. But in mixed martial arts, he applies that same dedication to his training and always has, and to his business acumen as well. He joins us now as UFC Hall of Famer and an MMA legend at his own right, Dan Henderson. Hendo, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? Good. Is there is there a, a significant point in your life uh, maybe it's back when you, Lindlin, and Couture were partners with Team Quest. But is there a significant portion of your life where you look at one event, whether it was a UFC, a Pride, a Strike Force, uh, doesn't matter. Insert uh, organization here. But is there one that stands out as the moment when you knew you were home? <laughs> I don't know if there's one moment, but you know, it, uh, yeah. As far as uh, Fighting goes, it, it, you know, I just fell in love with the sport after after uh, not doing it for that long. So, I mean, it was just so much uh, excitement to it. And, yeah, it was the same thing as with the, uh, how tough of a sport it was. And, and the bigger the, the challenge, the, the more excited I got. So, um yeah, I mean, it. it I, I couldn't answer that question. It, it's, it's just tough, uh, I loved my whole career. It's been amazing. You've had eight championship titles. Uh, been a lot of film, uh, nine to ten at at this date. Uh, the amount of championships you've won as an amateur and as a pro um, are amazing. Just absolutely amazing. I go back to your time at Victor Valley High School in Victorville, California. And by the way, one of my great. Uh, accounts I had as a salesperson in the world of uh, video was uh, the Roy Rogers Dale Evans Museum in Victorville. Oh. And one of the thrills I had was when Roy actually answered the phone in the gift shop. And I thought, oh my God, this guy really was one of the great cowboys 
of of my youth. And uh, I don't know. Did you ever go to the Roy Rogers Museum? Uh, I don't think I ever went to the museum, but yeah, I, I was well aware of it, and and uh, yeah, I think I I think I never made it over there though. Oh man, I, and it was it was a pleasure, and 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 his wife was amazing. She actually wrote that song, Happy Trails. I don't know if you know that. Um, we're talking with uh, Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson, obviously one of the principals with Battleskins. This is a segment brought to you by our friends at Battleskin Products. The uh, And we're giving away that prize coming up. We're giving away a couple of them, as a matter of fact, the backpack. These are the packs. We call them the packs, and they're filled with Battleskin Products. Battleskin means a lot to you, doesn't it, Dan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I've been wrestling my whole life, and, and then... <laughs> fighting after that and uh yeah i've never seen anything that handles uh some of the problems with with the skin infections that we get uh like battle skin does mm. and i and i think about friends you know and i traveled to the middle east with kevin randleman we lost kevin in part because of his battle with skin-borne disease and uh i'm wondering what kevin would be doing now should he still be here? And he could have been here if we had the right products to protect ourselves, whether it's the back of the neck where the hands go uh, or the back of the head. Uh, but the products have changed a lot. And you, know, you no longer have to settle for the sticky or the slippery. Instead, you get an aerosol propellant that comes on dry like powder. And it is so uh, so beneficial to the athletes out there. And obviously, uh, MMA that those MMA gyms and, and a variety of gyms around the country, I know you have your own, uh, but uh, it's so important to present a healthy atmosphere and even the products that Battleskin makes to treat mats. I believe you guys are coming out with the mat tape again, right? Yep, yep. The mat tape uh, is going to be pretty pretty useful as well to a lot of uh, high schools and, and, and any gym that would rest their mats. You bet. As, you know, it always drove me nuts at the teardown of an event. After I'm done announcing, I see kids out there throwing, you know, pull the tape up, but now it's a big ball of tape, and it's dirty, okay? <laughs> and they're yeah. playing catch with it. <laughs> I think, what, what are you guys doing? Stop, stop. <laughs> it's hard to stop kids from doing something like that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i got to ask you, um, while you wrestled uh, freestyle, obviously you wrestled high school there, uh, in in California. By the way, I love the California because it's one class. It's not, you know, three or four different classes or five different classes. California is very unique in that it has an incredible state championship. Do you still attend? Uh, I haven't been at a state championship meet in a while. Mm. I think um, they're special, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's definitely something to be proud of if you're a state champion. There's only one per weight class. That's right. And, and, a, and I don't know, the last number I heard was 72,857 wrestlers in the state of California. And it breaks down to one per weight class. That's pretty rarefied air indeed. Yeah, no, it's, it's a tough thing to do. When making the determination between freestyle and Greco, obviously your achievements in Greco stand alone uh, and by themselves in the fact that you were very, very good at Greco. Uh, and I think that played well into uh, your competition life in mixed martial arts as well. But 
Why Greco? What was it about Greco of the of the three disciplines, folk style, freestyle, and Greco? Greco was far and away the least glamorous. What what was it about Greco that really tripped your trigger? Uh, I don't know. I I was just good at it. I was good at lifting guys off the mat and turn and throwing them. Good at turning them and good at throws. I uh, I don't know. I just I guess I do like a a bigger challenge sometimes. And internationally, the uh, Greco was was a little bit tougher, I thought, mm-hmm. um, than freestyle. A lot of countries don't even have freestyle, but yeah, you know, I I just uh, I don't know. I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with the challenge, and and I like to throw guys. <laughs> yeah, I and we like to see it too. By the way, <laughs> uh, I love frequent flyer flyer mileage, and I would be happy to uh, adorn anybody out there that that you know. I love to see guys go through the air. Uh, the first time I was exposed to it, um, Gable had brought uh, Mark Ironside and one other athlete whose name escapes me to an event I was announcing at Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines. And for an hour, he had Ironside and, and the other guy doing gut wrenches to each other for an hour. Now, gut wrenches, if you think about it, the way you are uh, grasping your opponent and then picking him up and throwing him literally does wrench the gut. Okay, both of the opponent that you're throwing and yourself. You have some of the strongest ab muscles I think I've ever known anyone to have, Dan. Do you still work that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've I'm, I'm been working on my coach's physique lately. <laughs> trying to get back in. in it, it's tough for me to uh, wrestle or spar with, with my guys when I'm trying to coach them. So, um, you know, but I have been getting back in there a little bit more lately and Gonna get rid of my my coach's gut a little bit. <laughs> I got one going on too, bud. I think it happens <laughs> with age, but that's okay. You know when yeah. I when uh, the last time you and I worked together was in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was a uh, middle school type event. It, was, it took place in two different gyms. You were the special guest. I was a special announcer. But we had uh, a great time. I was so excited to be able to introduce you. And the fans were amazed that you were there. And back then, I think it was on behalf of Clinchgear. You had a part of that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is Clinchgear still around, or is that the? Uh, yeah, they're still around. They're just not quite as uh, out there. But yeah, they're definitely still around and and still doing, uh, you know, s- smaller orders. Sure. Well, I remember what you did with Clinch Gear, you're now doing with Battle Skin. And that is hoping to put out the best product and be uh, trend setters, industry setters, uh, as, as you are now with uh, Battle Skin. Why is that important to you to give back to the sport through that which you offer? Why is that important? Uh, well, I don't know. I just, I guess that's just how I'm built, but I know that. Battle skin, like I said, there, there's a lot of skin funk that that goes around that you see. I've seen throughout my my life being being on a mat my whole life. That mm-hmm. uh, battle skin just does some amazing things as far as getting rid of it or preventing it in the first place. So, you know, I just think it. Uh, I wish that we had it or I had it when I was. Uh, 
younger, there's definitely been times where I've gotten staff from different tournaments. I had really bad staff uh, infection in my elbow one time when I was at a wrestling tournament in Cuba, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, a fun time coming back on the flight with staff in my elbow. I can't imagine. I just I just can't imagine. Gable talks about uh, skin infections can literally sideline an entire team in their hunt for an NCAA crown. I mean, it's, it's, it's something we have to prepare each other for success, and part of a coach's job is to make sure the atmosphere is a uh, safe environment for the athletes, and there are many ways to do it, but the best way to do it, of course, is on uh, skin products like Battle Skin is the best. Uh, we've proven that out time and time again. And I know Murphy uh, feels the same, Jay Murphy, and I know Steve Glassy feels the same way. But there are others out there that, that you've competed against that are endorsing this product as well. You've got great heavyweights like Steve Mako, who's uh, one of the best, loves Battle Skin product. That's quite a compliment to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't develop it, but I definitely... Once I uh, saw what it can do, got behind it and, and tried trying to get it out to as many people as we can to, to kind of help make their life easier. I got to ask you about competing in mixed martial arts tournaments because while MMA has changed, okay, the Pro Fighters League is changing it yet again, but the UFC uh, used to have a, uh, a tournaments where you would fight two, three, four times a night. Well, wasn't there... Uh, a tournament that you were entered in, I think it was your third tournament, where you won all five of your fights that night, becoming the King of Kings tournament champion back in 99. I don't even know how difficult that is because it's never been challenged like that. You challenged yourself to face some of the best, in, including Nagira and Sobral and uh, uh, Yell. I, I think I always screw up his name. It's Gilbert, right? Yeah, I mean, you faced some of the level best this sport has ever had, and you were there at the dawning of the sport. Are you happy with where it's at today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely happy that the sport's grown like it has. It, uh, you know, it's it's difficult for me, even even being a big part of the sport, to uh, to to watch all the fights that are on TV now. I mean. It's, uh, it's, I, I don't want to use the word watered down, but there's, you know, one or two fight events every weekend. That's so right. it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with watching all the fights and seeing what fighters are, are coming up that are pretty tough. And, and, uh, so yeah, I'm not very good at, at keeping up with, with watching everybody. I was there at Pride 33 in Las Vegas. It was February 24th, of memory serves, 2007. And you were facing, in a rematch, Vanderlei Silva. Um, that, to me, was just like a bellwether mark of a career in the way you handled and competed against Vanderlei Silva. Now, Silva is largely regarded as one of the greatest fighters the mixed martial arts has ever seen. But you bested him in a knockout victory. I mean, that, to me, was a statement victory. It was a statement as to where you were and what you were deserved, and that's Hall of Fame status. Did you feel it that night? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was. It was. Uh, I, I had lost to him a few years before that, and and uh, in a decision, and I, 
definitely was happy to, to kind of knock him out and, and win his belt that he's had for five years. So it was uh, it was definitely a, one of my best nights that I've had in MMA and 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 uh, you know winning that second belt um, was pretty pretty special to me. Oh, it was very special for all of us in attendance. I'll tell you that that was Pride thirty three. That was your final bout in Pride if memory serves, with a complete record of 13-5 overall. And I want to look at those eight victories coming by stoppage. That's when a referee becomes so important, a well-seasoned referee, somebody that knows the business, understands what the fighters are doing and going through, and those small signals that a fighter is done, got to stop the fight. Uh, was there ever a questionable stoppage for you in any of your fight, in all of your fight career, I should say, that stands out saying, you know what, not only was I beating the guy, but he wasn't done yet. You know what I mean? I think Couture had a couple of those. We've talked about it. But uh, sometimes a referee is uh, a little more sensitive to what could be the stoppage moment. Uh, or he's kind of forced the stoppage moment, if you understand the question. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've mean, i been on probably the, the wrong end of a couple of those mm-hmm. from in my career. But, uh, you know, it's... On a part of the sport, you, you're relying on someone else's judgment in there. A lot of sports are like that, and, and uh, you just hopefully that you, you hope when you're in there that the, you get a referee that's uh, going to make good choices and, and you know not get too excited about stopping the fight or not stopping the fight when it needs to be. I want to ask you about Anderson Silva. People, while Anderson was active and competing. Uh, likened him to be the second coming of Christ. Okay, and you know what I'm talking about. People are talking about Anderson as if he was the deal. He was a good fighter. Was he the best of the best? I don't think so. Like George St. Pierre, was he the best at his weight? You know, was Matt Hughes the best at his weight? In your mind's eye, take yourself out of the equation. Who is the best pound-for-pound fighter the world has ever seen in mixed martial arts? Oh, I mean, that's a tough question. I know Anderson Silva, you know, a lot of people like to put him in that in that category. Right. But after he, he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs, that kind of is a question mark on, on if he was doing that his whole career um, and didn't get caught until the testing got a little more strict. So exactly. I can't put him in that category. Uh, GSP, you know, he's he's... One of the the better ones, right? Of all time, Matt Hughes as well. Um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people thought Fatal was that was that as a heavyweight was that uh, pound for pound best of all time. But uh, I don't know. There's there's so many good fighters that have been out there for a long time. You know, it's hard to. Uh, uh, Pick one of them. I'm going to throw you back into the equation. I'm going to pick the best pound-for-pound fighter I've ever watched compete. And you can tell Couture this, you know, as close as we are. (laughs) Dan Anderson is it. i got to tell you, it's one of the level best. And you always brought your game, your best game. Dan, it's always good to talk to you. And on behalf of Battleskin, thank you for appearing on the program today. I know you're busy at the SHOT Show in Vegas and all that. But thank you so much for all you do and have done and all you continue to do on behalf of our athletes. Thank you for Battleskin. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Uh, And, yeah, thanks for having me on.
pound for pound the best. That's what I'm talking about, Dan Anderson. Back in the equation. <laughs> Woo-woo. All right, Danny, thank you. God bless. And uh, best to everybody at home, okay? Right. Thanks, Scott. There thank we you. go. One of the best. I love that. You know, it's it's when we get the best of the best, the pound for pound, best of the best, it's so good. And that's who we bring to you. We bring the legends of the sport to you right here on USA Takedown on ESPN. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. I never pray that I ever say.